0: There's a new survey out recently that found that the average American has 332 forgetful moments in a year, or just over six times per week. Yes, this may seem like a lot, or, or very little, depending on who you are. According to this survey, the top ten most common things that we forget are, number one is our Passwords. Yeah, and then we write them down, and we go, where did I put those passwords, right? Number two, when we show up at the grocery store, when we forget why we went there. Number three, where our keys are. Number four, walking into a room and forgetting why we were going there. Number five, forgetting people's names after we have just been introduced. Number six, having a word on the tip of your tongue and not remembering it. Yeah, forgetting where your pen is. There it is got my pen. Forgetting what day it is. It is the Lord's day. We remember that one. Forgetting to take something out of the freezer to defrost it. Uh. And number 10, probably number one for many of us, is forgetting where you put your cell phone, right? Well, I can relate to most, if not all, of these things, and I'm sure that there are many other things that we forget as well. Um, It is said that this kind of forgetfulness is largely due to being uh, busy or distracted or inattentive, um, but we can also forget important things like a, a child's birthday, hopefully not, or, or forget your child. Hmm, people have done that, uh, left them at church, we you call them up, hey, your child's still here. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, well, Sometimes we uh, forget a wedding anniversary, or uh, far worse, far worse. We can forget about the Lord who he is, and what he has done for us. As we continue our series uh, looking at the Psalms this summer, I would encourage you to open up your Bibles, or one of the church Bibles, to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Uh, It's on page 612 in the church Bibles. And it is a Psalm in which David reminds himself and his readers of who God is and what he has done and what we should do in response to this. So I'd ask you to follow along. As we read again, Psalm 103, and I ask you please follow along as I read, this is God's holy, infallible, life-giving, and life-transforming word. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts. You who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Would you please pray with me? O Father God, we come before you again, giving you thanks and praise that you have invited us into your presence to worship you. We pray, Lord, that we would be attentive to your word this morning, that your spirit would speak to us in a mighty way, Lord, that you would reveal yourself, that you would call us to repentance and faith and obedience, Lord. Help us to look to you, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. As we begin to look at God's word in Psalm 103 this morning. We see that King David... Uh, wrote this psalm to remind us and himself of several important things. And the first thing that uh, he calls us to remember is to remember our purpose. We are to remember our purpose in life. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one, says, what is the chief end of man or what is the chief purpose of man? The answer is My chief's, chief's, uh, sorry, man's chief's end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The Westminster Divines got this idea from God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, for instance, says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. King David began the psalm by, by talking to himself. You ever do that? Talk to yourself? That's a good thing sometimes. Um, he is reminding his soul of his main purpose in life. His, his purpose was not just about protecting the sheep when he was a young shepherd boy or, or defeating the giant named Goliath or, or in getting married or having children or, or becoming a king. God certainly directed him in all of these ways and yet David is writing this psalm to remind himself of his main purpose and he begins this psalm by urging his soul to bless the Lord. The idea of a person blessing God may seem rather confusing. Isn't God the one who blesses us? When we bless the Lord, however, we are in in essence responding to God in worship and adoration and praise. Uh, In fact, kneeling our knee before God. That That is what it means to bless and glorify the Lord. And it might be Obvious, but blessing the Lord is the exact opposite of cursing the Lord. You may remember when Job was was suffering in such an extreme way, he his wife told him, "Because of your sufferings, you should just curse God and die." His wife wanted Job to show hatred and contempt to God for his suffering that he was going through. And thankfully, Job did not take his wife's advice. In fact, he actually rebuked her saying, you speak as as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we accept good from God and not adversity? Job also said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We don't know exactly when King David wrote This psalm, but we we see that he is reminding his soul to bless the Lord. By his soul, David is speaking of the depths of who he is in his desires, in his passions, his appetites and emotions. That is what he means by his soul. He further urges not just his soul, but but all that is within him to bless the Lord, blessing his holy name. for, For all that is within me, bless. His holy name, he says. Every aspect of of who David is. It it reminds me of when the scribes asked Jesus what commandment was the first and foremost of all. And, And Jesus responded, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. Just as Jesus reminds us to love the Lord in all of these ways, David is also reminding himself that he is to worship and to praise and bless the Lord in all of these ways from the depths of who he is in his soul, in every way. There are many times when we read the words of a hymn or a song that we are singing to the Lord, but it is not necessarily coming from our heart or our soul or our strength. Blessing the Lord with all that is within us starts in the soul, by responding to the greatness of the name of the Lord and what he has done for us. Blessing his holy name is is recognizing that there is no other name greater than the Lord. His name alone is holy. His name alone is the name worthy to be praised. Peter declared in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And his name is the only one worthy to be blessed and praise. His name is Jesus. David continues in verse 2 of the psalm by urging himself to remember all of the Lord's benefits. Remember all of his benefits. David is actually telling himself to forget none of his benefits. He knows that uh, just like every one of us, he he himself is prone to forget. We are all so prone to forget things, and even the Lord and his benefits, And so he says, remember what God did when he saved him. Remember what God did when he saved the Israelites from enslavement by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It was amazing for all that he did for them. But not long after this, God had Moses go up onto Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And it says in Exodus chapter 22. Now when the people, those same Israelites, saw that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, come make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, this this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. How quickly they forgot. Moses had been gone for only 40 days and 40 nights. In that short time, they forgot it was the Lord who had saved them from the hand of the Egyptians, not this man Moses. How quickly they forgot. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, they were warned not to forget, where it says to the Israelites, only take care and and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. They were warned not to forget. In the book of Jeremiah, there's an ongoing indictment against the people of Israel that they did forget the Lord their God and they began to serve and worship other gods and idols. King David himself knows what happened when he he forgot the Lord, when David forgot that God gave him strength to defeat Goliath and the Philistines. And and when God... uh, When David forgot who protected him from all of his enemies and when David forgot all that the Lord had done for him, David began to worship and serve other things in his life like power and possessions and lust and more. Just like the Israelites and David, we too should heed the warning and urge ourselves to remember all that the Lord has done for us and his benefits or blessings that he freely gives to us by faith in Christ. In verses 2 through 12, David reminds himself, and he reminds us all, of the many benefits of the Lord. David is reminded that the Lord remits and restores. The Lord remits and restores. When it says in verse 3 that the Lord pardons all of our iniquities, it means that he provides remission for our iniquities or our sins. Oftentimes, if you're like me, when you hear the word remission, you you might think about cancer. Uh, When a person has suffered from having cancer that has invaded his or her body, the desire is that God would provide complete remission. My mother-in-law has gone through this four different times in her life, and each time she has had remission. Complete remission, in medical terms, means that there is a disappearance of all signs of cancer. It means that tests and physical uh, exams and scans show that all signs of your cancer is gone, and that it was a good thing in the case of my mother-in-law. Sadly for some people, that, that time of remission is only temporary and the, and the cancer comes back. This is a medical perspective. Not all of us will suffer from cancer, but we will all We all suffer from something far worse. It is the invasion of sin that pervades every area of our body. There is only one treatment, and that is trusting in Jesus Christ alone and what he has done for us. He alone provides complete and lasting remission. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper in Matthew chapter 26, we read these familiar words that we hear when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It says, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. It is the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone as he died on the cross at Calvary that was poured out for many for the remission of our sins. It is said that the remission of our sins is the exemption for the consequences of our offense of sin. This is why some of our translators use the word pardon, like our own text this morning. And, and perhaps when you think of the word pardon, as I do anyway, you, you might remember each and every time we have a president leaving the office, he, he takes his authority to pardon several individuals who were convicted for their crimes. Yet only the Lord can truly pardon, remit, or forgive us of all of our sins. David reminds us of yet uh, yet another benefit in verse 3, that the Lord restores. Not only does he provide complete remission for our sins, he, he restores us back to health. King David writes, he heals all your diseases. David recognized that because of our sin, there is sickness and disease and death in this world that we live in. And David, as a prophet king, was was looking ahead to the Lord who would ultimately heal all of our diseases. In the last couple of years, our entire world has become familiar with this coronavirus disease. It is a disease that has spread quickly, Infecting so many in our world with so many suffering even to the point of death. It is this coronavirus disease and every other disease which is a consequence of sin that has infected our world since the fall of Adam and Eve. David prophetically points to Jesus as the healer of our diseases. While Jesus perfectly walked on the earth, he healed many people from their sicknesses and diseases. And the reason that Jesus did this was the point that he alone is the one who could heal both physically and spiritually. The prophet Isaiah foretold of Jesus. He spoke of Jesus coming to heal his people when he suffered and died for us. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 and following, it says, but he, namely Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. He came to heal us from our sicknesses and disease of sin. King David spoke prophetically again in, in Psalm 23 as well when he spoke of Jesus who would one day come and restore his soul. We also can be looking ahead when Jesus will one day return and make all things new. We, we just sang about it in the hymn of heaven. In Revelation, he will wipe every tear away, right? We read where God will wipe away all of our tears. There will be no more sickness, sorrow, crying, or pain, no more disease. Praise the Lord that we can know that one day we can come to him to be completely restored because of what he has done for us. Not only are there benefits of remission of our sins and restoration, being restored, David reminds us that the Lord redeems and he renews. It is the Lord who redeems and renews. David declared that it is the Lord who redeems our lives from the pit. To redeem here means that a price was paid. A price needed to be paid in order to uh, release us from our debt. Many of us understand what it means to be Uh, financially in debt due due to credit cards, getting a loan for buying a car or school or getting a mortgage for a home. Being in debt means that we owe a certain amount of money before we can be released from that debt. Can you imagine someone coming up to you today and said, I am willing to pay all of your debt? You'd be pretty happy. I would. The United States of America is said to be in nearly $31 trillion in debt. They don't want us to be in debt, but it's okay for them to be in debt. That is an amount that seems insurmountable. But spiritually speaking, however, we are in such an even greater amount of debt than that because of our own sin. And there is absolutely nothing that we can do to pay that debt. In fact, God's word tells us that the wages of our sin is death. This means that because of our sinful indebtedness, we deserve eternal death and punishment in the pit of hell. This is what we deserve because of our sin. We, we owe a debt that we cannot pay. We need a kinsman redeemer like Ruth had in the book of Ruth. She was a widow who had nothing. She was in debt, yet God provided a man by the name of Boaz to become her husband, her kinsman, redeemer. Boaz married Ruth, paying her debt, and gave her a new life. Hosea chapter 13, verse 14 is a prophecy about a redeemer, Jesus, who would one day come and save his people. The Lord says, I, I the Lord, shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. This is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is the only one who could be our kinsman redeemer. Jesus had no debt because he had no sin. The sinless son of God, Jesus, paid our debt for us as he bled and died on the cross. In fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross, one of his last words was, it is finished. In the Greek, it's just one word, "to tetelestai, which means paid in full. The payment of our debt was his perfect sinless life. His, his payment for my sins meant that I would not have to suffer for my sins in hell. Praise the Lord that he has redeemed our life from the pit. David continues to remind us that the Lord also renews our lives. The Lord is the one who renews our lives. David may have been reflecting on Another psalm he wrote in Psalm 51, where he cried out to the Lord in repentance for his many sins, saying to the Lord, God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew that when he repented of his sins, as he placed his faith and trust in the Lord, that he was given a new life. This new life is what Jesus was was talking about when when he met with uh, Nicodemus, Nicodemus was this Pharisee who wanted to know more about Jesus, but was a little afraid, so he met with Jesus at night. And in this conversation, Jesus told Nicodemus that he must be born again, born anew. This is regeneration, having your life renewed. As it says in Ezekiel chapter 26, verse 26, that Jesus resuscitates our dead and sinful heart of stone and gives us a new heart of flesh. Because of our sin, only Jesus is able to bring our sinfully dead heart back to life again. As we put our trust in Christ Jesus, our lives have been renewed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is what it means to be renewed. And King David gives us the imagery of being renewed like the eagle. As we think about uh, being renewed like the eagle, I cannot help but think about Isaiah chapter 40, which speaks of those who wait for the Lord. They put their trust in the Lord. They shall renew their strength. Then Isaiah says that their strength will be renewed like someone who mounts up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. When we are given new life in Christ, the burden of our sin is gone And we are able now to soar like an eagle, spiritually speaking. In remembering all of the Lord's benefits and blessings, we also see that David reminds us that the Lord reveals and he removes. The Lord reveals and he removes. In verse 7, David reminds us that God reveals who he is and what he does. He specifically mentioned that he has made himself known or revealed his ways to Moses and his acts. David knew how important it was to remember that God revealed who he was and what he has done. He revealed himself to Moses and Israel and David, and he continues to reveal himself to us in his word. David reminds us in verse 8 that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He knew this from how God revealed himself to Moses and the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 34, we see again that God invites Moses back up on the mountain after in anger Moses threw down those first Ten Commandments. The people were unbelieving at the Red Sea. The people were grumbling against God in the wilderness. They rebelled against God when they rejected God by worshiping a golden calf. You would think God would have enough, but it says in Exodus 34 verse 5, the Lord Descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. David is quoting most of this passage almost verbatim. King David was reminded of the Lord's compassion upon the Israelites, upon Moses and the Israelites. And and King David was most assuredly remembering the Lord's compassion and grace on his own life. God, being perfectly just, had every right to destroy the Israelites. And the same could be said for David, and the same could be said for us. David reflects that God has not dealt with us according to our sins. Amen? Amen. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Praise the Lord that he does not treat us as our sins deserves because that would mean that we would all have to suffer for all eternity in hell. In addition to the Lord revealing who he is and what he does, we see that the Lord removes our transgressions from us. The Lord removes our transgressions from us. David David uses another word for sin. This is transgressions. This time it, it focuses upon our rebellion and the guilt uh, for that rebellion. David reminds us that, that God's forgiveness is different than how many people say that they forgive. There are times that we say that we might forgive a person who sins against us, yet, yet we will often bring up those past sins when we said we would forgive. We kind of put them into a mental filing cabinet. You know, I forgive you, but it's going right back here just in case you sin against me again. David is describing the Lord's forgiveness in a totally different way. He said, The Lord's forgiveness of our sins is as far as the East is from the West. So far, He has removed our transgressions from us. Now, I started thinking about the East and West. And, uh, you know, we live in the East part of the state near Philadelphia. And my daughter, Caitlin, and her husband, Patrick, live in the Western part of the state in Pittsburgh. Patrick. And so, so. That's a that's a long distance, and then I started thinking, oh yeah, we're we're going to see our son, Josh, and his and our daughter-in-law, Grace, out in the West Coast. Here we are on the East Coast. We're gonna go. That's a long way. That's six hours, in the, that's a six-hour flight, folks. That's a long flight. And then I start thinking, no, that's that's nothing. I have to go visit my daughter in Thailand. That's halfway across the world. She is in the far east. I am in the far west. So they say that's that's a long distance. Then I begin to think about what God says. He says that he will infinitely remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. Infinitely. Our sins are removed from our account. Our account, they will never be brought up again. That is amazing that we have a compassionate, loving, forgiveness, and gracious God that we serve. King David continues to remind us of all these things as we work our way through the Psalm and Psalm. And in verses 13 through 18, David reminds us to remember who we are. We are to remember who we are. Dave, as David reflects upon the compassion that a father has on his children, we are to be reminded that we are children of God if we have placed our faith and trust in Christ alone. You are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, then we are called to fear him. You're called to fear him. King King David had an earthly father by the name of Jesse, who you may or may not know, but uh, he may or may not have a whole lot of compassion upon his son, David. Jesse had many sons. He certainly was not a perfect father. Remember when Samuel asked Jesse to bring all of his sons before him to choose one of his sons to become king? He didn't even bring David. For one reason or another, Jesse didn't feel like David was worthy of, to come with his other sons. In Jesse's eyes, perhaps David being the youngest was rather insignificant and not worthy to be a king. Yet David still, King David still uses this analogy of a father's love. He says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on them. This compassion is described as a deep love, a tender affection, It is the kind of compassion that God designs an earthly father to have. And you may or may not have had an earthly father who showed you that kind of love or compassion. Yet as a child of God, you have a heavenly father who loves you with perfect love, who is full of tenderness and compassion. And so as we reflect upon this perfect compassion from our heavenly father, we are still called to fear him, as it says in the passage. This, this fear, however, is not like being afraid and scared of your father. This fear is looking to our heavenly father with reverence and awe, and also knowing that he is going to be disciplining those he loves. He's going to discipline us. King David not only wants us to know that we are a child of God, he wants us to remember that we are known and loved by God. Remember that you are known and loved by God, so therefore you should keep his law. Because you are known and loved by God, you should keep his law. Our psalm reminds us that God knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. This, this should remind us that it was Adam who was, who was created from the dust of the earth, and, and God breathed breath into his nostrils and gave him life. Our, our passage also reminds us that, that our existence is merely temporary on this earth, physically speaking. David describes our days as like grass that comes up and goes away or a flower in the field. And yet, David also reminds him, us in another psalm, Psalm 139, that he wrote that we are fearfully and wonderfully created by God in his image, and he ordains all of our days. Knowing that we are known and loved by God should cause us to remember him and to keep his law. This last set of verses here in verses 19 through 22, David writes some words of comfort for us as he reminds us of who rules and reigns. David wants us to remember who it is who really rules and reigns in this world as we live in this sin-filled world around us with all kinds of horrible things going on, we need to remember that it is the Lord who rules and reigns. It is not some horrible dictator or some other horrible leader. In fact, when we think that things are out of control in our lives and in the world around us, we can take comfort in knowing that it is God who is sovereign and in complete control. In his sovereignty, he rules over all. He, is in his sovereignty, his wonderful sovereignty, he rules over all things. There is nothing that catches God by surprise. And because of that, we can trust that God keeps his promises to us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it's a verse many of us know and can trust. As, and it says, "...and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose." He rules and he reigns in the heavens above and he reigns on the earth below. And therefore, we can praise the Lord that everything is under his rule and reign. And so as we're reminded of all these things in this psalm, we should remember to respond to him. We should remember to respond to the Lord and all of his benefits. We need to remember to respond to the Lord, the Lord and all his benefits. All of God's creation, including the angels above, as it says in these verses, all of God's creation, the angels above and his children below, are called to respond by worshiping the Lord. David began the psalm, and now he's ending this psalm by urging his soul and all that he is to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord, to glorify the Lord. It means bowing our knees in worship to Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. As we looked at this part earlier our, our worship and our praise is to be coming from all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength all that we are our worship is not just the words that we sing but it's what we do as well it says in verse 20 that we are to be like the angels who obey the voice of the word of his word and serve him by doing his will we should we too should respond by obeying and serving the Lord. We should be looking for opportunities for obeying and serving the Lord as we remember who he is and what he has done. As we apply this psalm to our lives, let it be a psalm that we never forget. Let us be reminded of all his benefits, and may we continually look for ways to worship, serve, and obey him to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you that we are able to open your word that we're able to know who you are. We have heard from King David as he himself is reminding himself of who you are and all the benefits and blessings that we have from you, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to not forget. Help us, Lord, to always come before you in a spirit of worship in all that we say and all that we do. May you be glorified. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.